0: Hey, Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Great odds and markets for the NBA Finals, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh so much more. Also great new and existing user promos. It's America's number one sportsbook, don't you know, for a multitude of reasons like... It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings delivered in as quick as two hours. And of course, the same game parlays. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. All you have to do is find the most popular ones right when you log in. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. A-S-A-M-P. Just make sure you sign up with the promo code minus three so they know we sent you. Now, Eddie Spaghetti, let's light this candle. Minus three with Dave Damashev. Yes, hi and hello, and welcome to Minus Three Sports Fans. Coming up in a matter of moments, we have our old pal Coley. He's feeling it right now. His Celtics are in the finals, battling it out with the Dubs. We'll get his thoughts on that. On his Patriots, I'm sure we'll get some fruit talk in there. We'll have some mirth around the game of life. In the meantime, Go back and make sure you listen to extra points. A good one to start your sports week for you with Cousin Sal, Marty Weiss, and the rest of the fellas. Um, want to let you know, if you're betting, Fanduel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three is how you do that. And we're going to talk, like I say, about game three and beyond with this NBA Finals. Right now, the Celts lay in three and a half back in Boston. Total on that one is two twelve and a half. if you want to get the dubs I suggest you take him on the money line for the increased juice at plus 132. And I'm starting to think, I keep saying Jason Tatum is the best MVP bet for these finals, because I believe the Celts are going to get over the hump. I'm starting to think about Jalen Brown as the guy who's got to be the X factor if the Celts do end up winning three more games here and getting that uh, O'Brien trophy. Eddie Spaghetti, what's your bet on this one? By the way, I am going to take the Celts at home here in game three. I do think, like I keep saying, that uh, Boston is going to win another title in this remarkable century that Boston sports fans are living through right now, whether I like it or not.
1: Well, for NBA fans, I just hope that this game is a little bit closer than the other ones have been. Let's get this one, hopefully, to a single-digit game. I, I mean, if I had to pick a side, I, I, the Celtics showed me a lot. I know the the game two lost, but I do think, in terms of depth and in terms of the uh, interior presence, and you know, if they they aren't hitting shots, there's other ways to win. Whereas I'm not sure if Golden State can, if they aren't hitting their shots. Obviously, the home crowd, so I, I do like. Uh, the Boston Celtics in this one. You bring up a good point too with the NBA Finals. I don't think we're going to really know who the Finals MVP is probably till it gets closer to games, you know, four, five, six. That's where uh, really the, the 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 award is given out there. But outside of uh, Curry, Tatum, and Brown, you can get some monster odds on anyone else like Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Draymond Green. You just put a bet on any of those guys, Clay Thompson. You're going to make a really good return on family.com slash 3 So I'm kind of with you if you want to throw some a flyer on one of those other guys. I think it's a really smart move.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I hear you, but people always point to Igadala, but he's a, he's anomalous Iguodala getting that finals MVP. It is almost always a star. I don't want to ruin anybody's fun and rain on anybody's parade. You're right that the odds make it worthwhile. As far as hockey goes, I told you on minus three that uh, the Avs, there's a, a good bet to be made there if you're bullish on Colorado, and why wouldn't you be there four mm-hmm. wins away from the cup? Um I think you put something on. I hope you got it when I said before they got over on Edmonton in a, in a gem of a, a closeout game there, the overtime Um, in uh, up in Edmonton there, I said, Kale McCarr and Nate McKinnon sprinkle a little something on both those guys to get the con Smythe trophy. Um, because if Colorado wins, it's almost certainly going to be one of those two guys to get it. Kale McCarr. I also said with my pick of the uh, pick of the day, Kale McCarr, at least three points in that one. He wound up with five, even in a series that included Connor McDavid and a beat-up Leon Dry the greatest Leon in, in uh, North American sports <laughs> history. And McKinnon and beyond, the star of the series, in my opinion, was Kale McCarman. Man, I really do think the buzz is starting to get going. I think we're looking at a guy who, if he stays healthy, is going to go down. His name will um, come up when you mention Lidstrom and Bork and Orr and and Potvin and anybody Fox. else. Yeah. And, oh, yes. And also Adam Fox. I think Fox is, to me, I was thinking about him. He kind of is right-handed Scott Niedermeyer to me. I don't know if Niedermeyer's, if you're too young to remember him I, in his yeah. prime. but
1: Remember the brothers, yeah.
0: They're very similar. I think they have uh, similar. That's a compliment to Adam Fox. Your blue shirts, your rags are in Tampa Bay for game four. That puck drops tonight at the time of this recording. On Thursday, Lightning, if you want to bet them, goal, lay in a goal and a half, plus 150. I wouldn't do that. Under is, I mean, the total on this one is five and a half. If you want to take uh, Spaghetti's Rangers, plus 146 on the money line. Where are you leaning here, Spaghetti? I can't tell. It uh, depends on when I look at your Twitter feed, if you're feeling confident or if you're pessimistic.
1: Well, I feel good uh, as the time is recording. Uh, uh, Rangers have Ryan Strom skating and and Galance is going to play. Barkley good skating oh, he is, is uh, going to play. And, uh, and the other yeah. surprising thing, too, is Sammy Blay, who's back from his torn ACL, also wearing a non-contact jersey in practice. So um, that's another guy that could get back in the mix while Braden Point's still not playing. Um, you know, on the road, they're getting a goal and a half. I like that. I don't think they're going to lose. If they lose this game, it won't be a blowout loss. Like, obviously, the Lightning destroyed them pretty much in all facets. And games. Game three, and yet they only won by a goal of 40 seconds left. If the Rangers were leading two uh, two goals to nothing in that game, that they were you know outplayed, and so I, I, don't, I don't, I think that was the best effort you're going to see really from Tampa all series long. The Rangers will not play as poorly. So I I do like that Rangers getting the goal and a half. But like, you know, talking about the avalanche, part of me is almost like I really just don't want to get to the Stanley Cup finals if we make it there and then just get steamrolled by this team. Like, I I can't take 2014 all over again. Part of me is like I'd rather just skip the misery of that and just lose this. They ain't
0: steamrolling anybody without Kadri out there. I know everybody has their injuries. They are really banged up like any team is that gets to the final. I don't, I don't think that they present as a team that would dominate yours if you guys survived. Sure. Series.
1: I mean, because the goaltending play and obviously having Igor is is the big uh, ace in the hole that they haven't really faced in the past. But um, it's just that that lineup, especially when McCarr and Devontae's play together, like they don't lose. They're essentially they don't lose at all with those guys uh, there. It's like Hodge loss is a big one. You're right. But man, oh, man. I mean, you know. The the two things I do want to bring up from that last series, the Edmonton Colorado series quickly, I know we have a really good show to get to with Coley, but quickly one, I I have no idea what a high stick is anymore or goalie interference. And again, I'm not, I don't just complain about the, the penalties against the Rangers or in games involved with the Rangers. I'm watching the whole entire league. And to me, it's like, if I was the referee on the ice, I would have said that's a high stick. It's at, it's at his shoulder. That's what the rule is above the crossbar. I would have called it. They said it was fine the ice. So I clearly have no idea what that is anymore. And we've seen numerous goalie interference calls. They're talking about the Conn Smythe award, and it probably will go to someone on the avalanche if they win, probably Kel McCarr. But, you know, I was doing this little exercise in my brain. If you took Connor McDavid off the Edmonton Oilers, they're not a playoff team. If you took Kale McCarr or Nathan McKinnon or someone off the avalanche, they're going to be in the playoffs. You could do the the Rangers. You could take out, you know, uh, Igor, and they're going to be fine with Yorgi. If you want to take out Chris Kreider or Panarin or Mika, they're going to be a playoff team. Now, they may not be as high up in the point standings that these teams are, but if you take out McDavid, that team is not very good. And that's to me why I was saying, and I might have flirted it once saying, bet on him for Conn Smythe, because – the importance of him is just so it's insurmountable what you would have to overcome not having him in the lineup, whereas the other teams that are there same thing with. I mean, look, the lightning right here, they won a series without Braden Point. They swept the, the, the Florida Panthers. So it's like it could be done. That's the team that it cannot be done. And that's why uh, people watching this war, maybe if you're a casual fan, you have to realize how good of a player he really is. And it's really unfortunate to have Mike Smith as your goalie.
0: Oh, I mean, he he is, at this point, he's right on the cusp of breaking that mythical five best players of all time. I mean, I didn't see Rocket Richard, no matter how old you think I am, or Gordy Howe or any of those guys. So I have a hard time um, mounting much of an argument for those guys, but of the guys I've seen, you know, Lemieux, Gretzky, I, uh, uh, you know, I always throw Peter Peter Forsberg in there, a guy who um, had too many injuries to you know have the point totals, but he deserves a shout out, and Sidney Crosby, but um, you know Connor McDavid's right there. I hear your noise completely about that. He's he is uh, dynamite, and forget you know again to make the point I keep making. They're 18 skaters. I think it's a little overstated that they're a bum team. I mean, Mike Smith was so bad. Like miserable. So many softies. It's just got to be sick if you're an Oilers fan. you got to be sick in your balls. that an- You really could have made the final this year if you had halfway decent goaltending, you know? It really, totally. um, it's a bummer, but a, but a great run and a, a noble and heroic effort from Dreisaitl, um... And, uh, but good for good for the Avs because they're one of those teams that just couldn't seem to get over the hump. And, uh, and now they get to put their feet up and watch this one. Best wishes to, uh, your blue shirts and to the Bolts here going forward. I'm going to take out of all these game out of all the bets available, I'm taking the over in this one, over five and a half, the juice plus one oh six. I say bet it and do it fanduel.com slash minus three. Your official pick though is the Rangers on the money line plus one
1: forty six. No, I would take the Rangers getting the goal and a half.
0: All right. Plus uh, minus 182 if you do that. Um, But I do get that. I do. uh, Boy, oh boy. The lightning did see the equation uh, to success, you know, to really tighten things up, crowd the goal. Igor has passed away multiple times in this postseason and resurrected himself like Jesus. And uh, I expect the Lightning to try and kill him once again. I'm sure he'll fall on the ice and appear to be dead, and then rise up again. Um, I, you know, I could see your Rangers uh, going down there and winning this one. It feel like uh, it felt like they had to move heaven and earth, did Tampa, to scratch out that victory just to stay relevant in this series. Um, It kind of has that vibe of an NBA team that goes down 20 points in the third quarter, and they have to fight so hard to get it back to even that they're gassed once they get there. I could see that being the result tonight of, like, the Lightning put it all out there just to win a game, and now the Rangers prove what they proved in the first two games and in chunks of game three that they're the superior team at this point. All right. Let's uh, let's get to our guy here. Let's talk some Celtics and beyond the Boston sports scene. One of the guys who makes you kind of like Boston sports, it's our guy, the Man. But first, this baseball season, swing for the fences on FanDuel Sportsbook right now. New customers get two hundred dollars in free bets guaranteed when you place your first five dollar bet. Lots of fun ones out there. I'm on the Buccos right now. I'm in that window where they're not the worst team in baseball. So, of course, I like looking at uh, at those young Buccos there, Spaghetti enjoying his Yanks for obvious reasons. Cousin Sal enjoying his Metropolitans for more obvious reasons. Whichever team you want to bet on, just make sure you do it. With the promo code MINUS3, the word MINUS, the number three to get in on the action, FanDuel lets you bet the money line, home run props, strikeout totals, and so much more. And when you combine those bets, it's an even bigger payday with the same game parlay. Like we say, just make sure you do it with the promo code MINUS3 and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Let me get in a quick break. What a treat. I try to, believe it or not, I actually do strategize with Spaghetti about when we should try to get certain guests. And uh, we like to not just talk with randos. We like to talk with people we know, known entities. You know, I'm a a pedigree snob after all. And the highest pedigree fellow we know and uh, one of the great friends of minus three here, he's the McMahon Coley, one of our favorite writers, like we say, one of our favorite guys and a great time to talk to him right now while his Celtics are battling for, I forget what the name of that trophy is, the O'Brien Trophy, uh, the O'Brien, Larry o. the Larry O Trophy, um, here he is everybody, it's the McMahon himself from Barstool, what's the poop fella, how are you?
2: What I didn't actually realize, and always a pleasure to be here, but what I don't think I realized until I saw some pictures of it the, the NBA trophy used to just be a smaller Stanley Cup. Did you know this?
0: No, is that right?
2: It was the Walter, I believe it was the Walter Brown, and it was just a smaller cup and it was the same tradition and everything. They just passed it from team to team. I'm thrilled. We like, I love the Stanley Cup. I think it's easily the best looking trophy, but you can't just steal another league's thing. That's, that's no good.
0: No, indeed. And the NBA stole my idea that I pushed hard legitimately. I took it as high as I could take it like to to the front offices in New York City of the NFL and implored them how nobody knows what who won the MVP in the NFL, AKA the most popular sport in our society. Nobody knows who won it five years ago, but everybody can tell you who won the Heisman trophy. The Heisman, of course, honor. It's, it's a kind of irrelevant award, but you know who won it? Cause it's a cool trophy with a cool name. I said, name the MVP trophy after, I don't know. And you could have a year's worth of content on the, uh, as a side note, of all the 32 fan bases submitting their legend, obviously Patriots would submit Tom Brady, um, and, uh, and and you know and and the in the end it would be the Peyton Manning MVP award that would be way cooler with a cool pose and everything else. Who would you nominate, by the way, from the world of pro football, not Tom Brady, to be the MVP trophy? Because now the NBA has that; they have who do they, have? they have the Koozie trophy. Um, and the, so- the, NBA
2: is, the NBA has introduced like seven new trophies in the last two years, so it's getting really hard to keep track of what the NBA has done. I do love this idea for the NFL. I'm trying to think because the more you go back, the more nefarious these players were. <laughs> exactly. Right, right, right. There's a there one, right, that's part of the game, is that
0: you can't, like Ray Lewis, I've asked a bunch of pro football players this question, and way too many say Ray Lewis. And I say, well, that would be problematic for all of time if you had Ray Lewis as uh, as the MVP trophy. But I get the spirit of where they're coming from. I think it ultimately would land on Peyton Manning. Um I, I, what, I,
2: when I when I like I do a, a a podcast with Arian Foster now and thinking of like the guys he's always talking about and just guys I've talked to over the years. I think it might be Barry Sanders.
0: That's a pretty good one. You know what? One and Bell uh, volunteered that name. To me, Barry Sanders doing the dead leg, you know that's because that's be also it. part of the thing. It's got to be like you know the
2: part of it. Yeah, the, if, right. if you're not going to, you can't just again like like we were just saying with the NBA stealing the NHL's trophy, you can't just one to one the Heisman Trophy. But Sanders had enough. The only other person I can think is like that Moss, just some Moss, Randy Moss, just mossing someone. That would right. be the only other one that would be a cool enough tro- trophy.
0: The Patriots, right, the Patriots catch that he made in the end zone, I think it was against the Dolphins, where he fingertips it in stride. Mm. I've seen that uh, volunteered as an idea. Anyway, as we're talking about trophies and rooting interests and everything else, we've got Eddie Spaghetti here. You know, he's a Rangers fan. Um, And he's living and dying with, uh, with every one of these games every 48 hours or so. Do you think it's philosophically right? You're a Northeast guy. Are you rooting... For, he doesn't like it when you call him rags, by the way. So don't call him the rags, whatever you do. But he, do you think it's right to root for the rags to win the Cup because you know their fans are diehards? Or because New York City is your rival city, are you rooting for anyone but them, and in this case, the Tampa Bay Lightning?
2: Boston, New York is so fascinating to me from a sports perspective because I truly only despise one of those teams. The Jets are an afterthought. The Knicks are barely competent enough to be called a, a professional basketball franchise. The Nets are New Jersey's team, as far as I'm still concerned. I'm not the biggest hockey guy, so it's not like I have some like Islanders or Rangers hatred in my heart. And then the Giants, there's nothing I can say to the Giants because we haven't beaten them when it's mattered. So it's like I, they annoy me, but do I hate them? Not necessarily. So it's really just the Yankees I, I truly hate um so yeah the the rangers winning it i the, i'm just tired of hearing about like when was the last time they won was it 92 something like something like that like, right, 94 94 yeah right. oh that's right yeah it was during it was it during the oj chase wasn't it that i would have been right in that window yeah, yeah. that's right so yeah I'm i'm just tired of hearing about 94 i, I like a lot of people are tired of hearing about the Celtics talk about 2008 as if they won 4 in a row. Like I'm I'm tired about hearing about 94 too. So let's just update these years. That's all I'm looking for.
0: I find myself lately in a position where I'm counseling fellow fans and uh and your input on this would be appreciated. Uh should Bucks fans, should Milwaukee Bucks fans be rooting for the Celtics to win the title now? Should Heat fans be rooting for the Celtics? Or should they be look at, rooting for the dubs to inflict pain on the team that just inflicted pain
2: upon you? It, it's, it's fascinating because like, as a Celtics fan, it always used to make me feel slightly better when the team that beat us won it all. Because it's, it's like, yeah, well, we basically lost the finals regardless of what round it happened and we lost to the champions. So it's, it's not much different. Yeah, it happened in the second round, but we just ran into the buzzsaw. I don't see Milwaukee or heat fans being like huge Celtics supporters right now, even Eddie before the show, he was like, I've heard this sentiment from a lot of people. Like this Celtics team is very easy to root for. Despite the fact that they're from Boston, they've been able to disassociate that. Uh, but I don't think the teams we just beat view it in the same light. Like I don't, there's certainly no Nets fans to begin with, but the ones that there are, they're not big Celtics guys at the moment. Uh the bucks and the heat series were also just so physical i don't i think that has a part to play in it too if it's a physical series i don't think you come out of it being like man i really love and respect that team
0: i remember as a as a very little kid watching with my old man the sixers put the finishing touches on this uh, on the uh, on the celtics in Boston garden on their way to the finals to play the Lakers and that rivalry, the Lakers and Celts was, was just at its, uh, at its very beginning. And, and yet, or at least in the eighties version of it was, uh, and and, and yet Boston garden, I remember getting caught up in it and thinking it was cool in the moment. They were chanting beat LA, beat LA, and now I feel like it's a little bit like how the the locals on Christmas Day when Balboa and Drago were having their their bout um to make good on on on, on the senseless murder. it was a murder that <laughs> happened. I mean Creed showed up for an exhibition and, and Drago just, you know, he commit I mean manslaughter at minimum. I'm not here to have a legal conversation with you. But my point is, you know. They're they're all into Drago until Balboa lands a couple and all of a sudden they start cheering for Balboa. It made no sense. I almost feel like in hindsight, were Boston fans wrong to be chanting, beat L.A.? How say you?
2: No, because, I mean, that was the beginning of bird magic. There was, we weren't going to root for L.A. to beat Philly. It's not like we were. I mean, Doctor J, not exactly a local kid, did play at UMass somehow, some way. He ended up at UMass. Okay,
0: okay, that's but a the, rationalization, but that does work. I'll accept that. But yeah, it, interesting.
2: it, it would be like I, t- I talked about this recently, uh, and it's a, it's slightly different. But there were Red Sox fans who were rooting for the Yankees over the Diamondbacks in two thousand one. That's never sat right with me. I get why. I get what had happened in the previous months. You don't just start rooting for the Yankees. That's pro- that's why the Yankees lost, because there were so many Red Sox fans we put. I mean, we hadn't won at that point. That was, what, 83 years at that point with no World Series. We we rubbed off some, some loserdom onto them. They really haven't recovered since that. They've, they've only won once in those 21 years uh, since we rooted for them that one time. You can't be rooting for your absolute rival under any circumstances. You just can't do it.
0: Yeah, I you know, and I'm all about provincial, regional pride. So it is. It gets murky, like you're Boston, but Northeast, and this is where real sports fans live. So you should kind of be rooting against, let's say, anybody playing in the Tampa, St. Pete area of Florida. It's you know, it's it's kind of in the same way New York versus uh, Arizona. At least the Northeast wins, but I think it's ultimately wrong to be yeah, rooting for that, your archest of rivals.
2: That feels very college football, uh, like big cat posting what, what the big tens doing in bowl season. Like, I don't,
0: I'm not familiar uh, with that name. Big cat. Yeah, oh, oh oh man, yeah. Yeah. Man no, cat, I, uh, <laughs> the,
2: the, the mustache fella.
0: I don't uh, like that. I, I, I'm, I, I am a hundred percent against that rooting for your conference is so weird and sad. <laughs> I'm with the big 10. No, no, no. If my team, which it does generally lose in football, the Indiana Hoosiers, I'm not going to turn around and root for the teams that just tormented me to do well. I want them to suffer just like they made me suffer.
2: Right, and I know Big Cat's doing it as a joke against right. SEC people because they're the worst at it. I get, and it. these are people they'll go they'll go burn down an entire forest if it happens to be in the the wrong town, <laughs> and then all of a sudden ball season, and now you care that that Auburn beat Arizona State. Like, well, why would that matter?
0: Coley, it means more. It just means more. Don't, I don't <laughs> when are you gonna more. When are you gonna get the idea? All right, uh, you know, don't want to hold you up too long. Lots going on in uh, in Coley's life right now with the, with the Celts and beyond in the game of life. Want to talk about Mac Jones, fresh produce, animated cinema. But first, let's talk about the matter at hand. The Celts, the Dubs, tied at one. Um, I'm guessing you're feeling pretty good, but I th- to me, this Draymond Green thing is just really weird and I guess it's been sitting there for some time but uh, watching game two I have no rooting it I good for good for my old man he's you know he watched the Celts back in the 60s used to go and buy tickets to the garden and watch uh, Bill Russell and company so so rooting for him and and you make the Celts likable and our pal Hench and and uh is is also a great Celts fan but by the way I do want to say Coley is the guy to follow, and he will make you against your better judgment, kind of like the Celtics, because uh, because you are funny. How and- much how
2: much about Jalen Brown do you know against your own will because of me?
0: Uh, well, I you know I do think it's funny that watching the Struce replay of was he or wasn't he on the line? I don't know if he was or not, but Jalen Brown is the one guy who if they're going through. The, the the game video, like the Zabruder film and breaking it down by frame, like they could go back and call Jalen Brown for traveling about 12 or 15 times a game. Yes.
2: If they went back, they would see a lot of hacks
0: that caused those travel. <laughs> oh, OK. I didn't realize. <laughs> but what do you I mean? In this I mean, for real, what's right here? I, I don't know if you, you can't be biased about this, but, you know, I'm, I don't have a particular rooting interest in this series, but Draymond Green has a tech, and then he falls over purposely, Jalen Brown, falls backwards over, and even if you give him the benefit of the doubt, oh, he, he thought that he was going to hit another grown man's body, and, and when it wasn't there, it caused him to collapse on the, the aforementioned Jalen Brown. But then when he's on the ground, he tries to, he, he kind of like, he puts his foot on a grown man's head, mm-hmm. then he tries to pull himself up by Brown's shorts, then he shoves him in the back, not hard, No, but, but, but it's a technical foul in any, in any situation, except that he's already got a technical, and so the officials know, well, we can't tee up Draymond for why, f- uh, for what reason. I'm not exactly sure, but Draymond knows that they can't tee him up there, so he does it. How say you, and, and how to make sense of this going forward?
2: Well, they keep Steve Javy in that bunker uh, hostage to tw- uh, 12 months a year so that he can <laughs> chime in on these situations. And he was like, yeah, hey,
0: they give him some, some stale <laughs> bread and hair gel. That's all he gets.
2: <laughs> yeah. They're like, he was like, listen, he's already got a tech. What are, what are they supposed to do? Give him another one. Yes. That's what that's for. That's why these rules are written. Um, but that's, that's Draymond as, as just a pure basketball fan. That's what he does. That's why he is as regarded as he is. Uh, from from the opening tip he tied up Al Horford on the opening possession just being aggressive he set the tone immediately he was playing defensive end during that game he was running through offensive linemen he was on the ground half the on top of someone else for half the game the Draymond play doesn't even bother me as much as the Jordan Poole play where he just tackled Derek White and everyone was saying he was de- guarding his face. You don't guard your face by putting your arms up like they, you, you would cover your face. Like it, they stopped a fast break to call a technical foul. And then they reviewed it and said there wasn't even a regular foul. He, he, he tackled a man. That's a foul. I don't care if you want to call it a tech or not. You just stopped the play. We didn't get any points on the ensuing possession. So you took points off the board for what was an obvious tech in real time. Then when you slow it down in slow motion, you go, eh, was it really that bad? I, I feel like we've talked about this before. I'm okay with replays. Uh, slow motion needs to be banned. Slow motion is not the way in which we view the game. You can see anything in slow motion. If you look it's at it. It's
0: absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, then you're, it's really getting murky though. Cause like, if you're, it, the my, my problem with the, with the review is the length of time it takes that. I mean, you should be able to do it in, in almost real time. As much as if you watch sports as uh, um, faithfully as we do, you know, the correct call after seeing two replays, right? Why yeah. does it take the professionals eight minutes to determine the call? That's why it's so unsatisfying. I think I hear you. If you do frame by frame, you can see a wide receiver on the sidelines. The ball moves a little bit. You could theoretically undermine the entire sport doing that. But I think the worst thing is, I you, you say you're not a hockey fan, and I know it, but the the uh, Campbell Conference got wrapped up on um, Wednesday night. And so it's an overtime goal. It should be a great moment, but it's like, wait, wait, wait. The goalie is saying it's a high stick. So wait, no celebrating. And six minutes later, we're like, so did they move on to the final? Did they finally overcome this uh, this mountain that the, that the Colorado Avalanche couldn't vanquish for years and years? They finally got over, but like, wait, 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 no celebration. It kind of steals from the visceral pleasure, don't you? I mean, that that's kind of should be a consideration for the networks, for the leagues, and otherwise. How say you?
2: Game one of this playoff run for the Celtics. Tatum hits that yeah, ridiculous right. spinning layup over Kyrie. And everyone just has to stop because they have to stare to see if there's 0.1 seconds left on the clock where you can't even get a shot off the Super Bowl. The Patriots come back against the the Falcons. James White scores the game winning touchdown and Julian Edelman's yelling at everyone to get back on the sideline and almost swings on. It was Brady or Belichick. Who was coming over to say, "Yeah, the review's over," and he was just like, "Nope, don't believe you." And it's like, "Yeah, this is this is ruining a lot of great moments." If if you f- see something after the fact, yeah, of course you have to finish the game, but you have to stop everything to do that. I don't think so. Who's my guy? I can't think of his name. The
0: lacrosse player, Chris, uh, the wide Hogan. receiver for the Chris Hogan, right. Um, Chris Hogan running off the field after that and celebrating and throwing his helmet off. I, I, in that moment, my only thought was, I can't believe the, I mean, I knew the Patriots were going to score when, when, obviously when they won the coin flip, you knew the game was over in overtime, but him throwing his helmet off and running away. I was like, this is going to be an all time moment when he has to put his helmet back on (laughs) because, uh, because they're going to reverse this call. uh, Um, but yeah, that, that, that does kind of stink, but all right. So going forward now you have five games left. Now back in, uh, whatever they call it, not the garden. Um, the, uh, how are you feeling now? Am I reading it right? That it's despite what Mark Jones, the play-by-play guy, um, keeps saying, he's insisting, like, he's like, gotta be concerned. The are playing well. They're, they're, they're one game up. And in the first half, they have a lead in, uh, in San Francisco and Mark Jones says, Things are going well for the Celts, but you got to be concerned because Jason Tatum hasn't been really scoring yet. Like, no, no. I think this is, I think that's overly pessimistic. The Celtics are up a game and they have the lead and Tatum hasn't gotten on a roll
2: yet. That should scare Golden State. How say you? Yeah, I agree. And he did get going. I think he hit like five of seven threes last game, something along those lines, Um but I'd argue he even played a worse game after game one, even though he was scoring more. The ball wasn't moving and we fall into these ruts. It's, it's been for years and, and it really sticks out this year when we're playing well, where we just play iso ball for absolutely no reason whatsoever. And it's so much easier to defend every team in the NBA at the end of a game, at the end of a quarter, at the end of a half. It becomes the easiest defense to play because you know there's not going to be any passing. The best player on the other team is just going to dribble until there's three seconds left on the clock and then make his move. I have no idea. Whatever coach, there's going to be more coaching hires this summer. Whatever coach goes into his, his interviews and just says, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that anymore, he's going to revolutionize the sport and it's going to get a lot of credit and two-for-ones jacking up a, a bad shot so then you can take another bad shot at the end of a quarter or a half. I don't understand any of these things. Uh, so when we, when we play ISO ball, which happened for pretty much all of game two, yeah, it made it really difficult for us to score. We fell into these problems against Miami when when Jalen was trying to unclog the offense and drive and just kept turning the ball over. We saw that again game two, not with Jalen, with everybody. I think coming back home, we'll see the ball move more. Al Horford will get more than than three shots uh in the game. Uh Marcus Smart will be more involved. I'm I'm not terribly worried. I, I feel like game two was kind of Golden State emptying the tank. They, they brought mm-hmm. out every trick they have. They have another trick, which is Klay Thompson hitting shots. Uh, but I also don't know if they're that's what's going to happen. I'm sure it will happen one game. I don't think it's going to be happening consistently. Uh, when I watch these teams, like the Celtics are the more athletic, they're the bigger team. Like, bo- having both of those is a huge advantage. I keep hearing the Celtics won't keep hitting open shots. Like, they're NBA players. I assume they will keep hitting open shots if Golden State's rotations continue to be slow. You don't have to worry about Golden State's rotations, though, if you're not passing the ball, which was part of the problem in Game 2. Ime Odoka, every time we, we fuck up like we have in these playoffs, he comes back with this team firing on, on all cylinders. I have no reason but to believe in him at this point.
0: I, I agree with you. And, you know, you can point at Al Horford's performance in Game 1 as anomalous, and that was an all-time weirdo performance. I mean, the, the, just – couldn't miss Al Horford uh, at this age, um, but I- I'm with you completely, and I know that uh, that your guy Jalen Brown is the number two in in Boston. But it feels to me like with Clay Thompson, and you could see this coming a mile away. This is what I said in advance, so I have to self validate uh, in advance of the series. It was like Clay Thompson is not Clay Thompson of three or four years ago. So you know the Celts are going to really make Steph Curry work. And then that means Poole and Wiggins have to salvage things for the Dubs and, at this point, three more times out of five games. You betting on that to happen versus the Celts coming through and continuing to hit shots? I just you know, as much as you can read, you know, Marcus Smart and, and guys like that, I have more confidence in those guys than I do in Wiggins and Poole. How say you? I get sounds like you agree with me.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, Jordan Poole can be... When he's when he gets he's he's like uh, a souped up version of Jordan Clarkson. Like when Jordan hmm. Clarkson gets going for the jazz, it's like, I really wish we didn't have to deal with this. And Jordan Clarkson does not have the um, the luxury of playing next to Steph Curry. So it makes it that much worse when Poole does it. I haven't been overly impressed with Poole this series. I, 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 I'm starting to agree with John Moran. I think this guy is maybe the dirtiest player in the league right now after what I've seen him do through two games. Um, obviously he's very talented offensively defensively. We, we haven't attacked him as much like that. That's, that's why I'm, I'm not as concerned when I see golden state empty the tank in game two and it works. So you have to give them credit. It's not like they emptied the tank and lost by 20. Then they would probably just quit. I don't know what they would do. Uh, but I haven't seen the Celtics do everything I know they're capable of. Like our defense in the third quarter of game two, uh, wasn't how we typically play defense. We we were dropping on stuff. We were sinking under under. It's almost like Ime is saving things for later in the series so that it doesn't give Kerr time to adjust. And that's not me trying to be like, oh, Imei is so smart. I just genuinely, based on what I'm seeing and based on knowing what they're capable of, it doesn't. The adjustments haven't been made yet, and that doesn't make sense other than we're saving them so that they can't figure out a counter before it's uh, too early. Well,
0: like people keep talking about the multiplicity of the uh, of uh, the uh, of the Celtics playing defense, Robert Williams, um, his length and athleticism on getting out on a guy like Steph Curry from three is weird. You know, you see um, in some moments it seems like, oh, Steph's going to smoke is going to smoke this guy. But you can also see, to, to my point, the different looks that Steph is getting from the Celtics defense that's the guy who he's basically got to save the day. It's kind of funny. Like I say, Poole and Wiggins are good, but they're, you, they're not dependable for three out of the next five games. I think it, it all amounts to this. Jason Tatum's going to, is going to turn it on. That should be good news for the Celtics. Unless you tell me you think he has a, a legitimate injury to worry about. And is he the MVP, or do you think if the Celtics win it, that Jalen Brown might end up stealing that award? It obviously comes down to those two guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, right now I think Jalen's the front runner. Game one was won by Jalen. I know Al had a great game shooting. Jalen scored on, I think it was like or scored or assisted on 14 straight points to to mount that comeback. Um and then game two. I think it was twenty-two to nine in the early goings. Obviously, it's it's the first quarter. You can't (laughs) say the game's over. But Jalen wasn't missing. He was hitting pull-up threes. He had nine points immediately, and then they call that phantom foul against Gary Payton the second on that layup that he just missed, and they he missed it so point blank. They assumed a foul had to have happened. How do you feel about the NBA challenges? Do you think it's it's great that when you challenge and win, you don't get another one? I understand we don't want to be sitting here watching reviews all day, but in the first quarter that second foul, you have to sit your hottest guy until the second quarter and you can't challenge it because you know, that's your only one. Like what, what, I get you,
0: I get the logic of why you can't have endless amounts of challenges you but keep it is here why not <laughs> well right that's exactly right one and two it, it it's weird for getting it right is strategy it, it counts as some weird uh, bit of strategy um i I could talk about the 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 officiating the lousy <laughs> officiating and all that I know do you um you know, I, by the way, you, you, I can tell from your remarks about Jordan Poole, the playoffs are great. Hockey to me makes you hate human beings who are complete strangers to you for the rest of your life. Have you, fe- have you felt, um, have you developed any hatred for any human being who plays pro basketball over the last handful of weeks here?
2: Um, first round was Bruce Brown. People were acting like he was the second coming. And he's a he's a local guy. He's from Massachusetts. I should love Bruce Brown. People were acting like him scoring was was some great coup. We were leaving him wide open. That was the goal. We were covering Kyrie and Durant. We were like, if this guy beats us, if he can score fifty, so be it. And everyone was like, Man, can you believe the Celtics can't guard this guy? So I almost hate him by proxy of hating the people who just couldn't see. For what the shine he got. Right. Yes. Yeah, it was just more of like people – I, I it, it, there's a lot of players I hate because of the conversation around them and less so them themselves. Uh, but it was Bruce Brown in the first round. Second round was a combination of Wes Matthews and Pat Connaughton. I couldn't understand why Wes Matthews all of a sudden became the greatest uh, individual defender on, on planet Earth because he had Tatum looking like me out there. Like I don't – I still don't know what happened there. And Connaughton just kept hitting shot after shot after shot – the, the, the all-time upset, Grayson Allen not being hated out of that series. Hmm. Shocking. Um, and then the Heat series. The Heat are weird because I kind of just hate the entire organization um, as as, uh, as a concept. Uh, Pat Riley in Boston alone is enough to hate them. Yeah. Um, And then just their whole team, Jimmy Butler, I don't find particularly likable. That goes back to draft night for Jalen Brown when Celtics fans booed him because he wasn't traded for Jimmy Butler to pair with Isaiah Thomas. It's almost as if Danny Ainge knew what he was doing. Uh, Jimmy Butler's on his third team since that day. Um, So yeah, that wouldn't have worked out particularly well. Uh, Bam, I like a lot as a player. I don't, understand why he has zero like when carl anthony towns gets roasted for being soft in the post i don't understand why that doesn't translate quite to bam who was getting shut down by everyone who's smaller than him um and max Strus going oh for 15 and then d- d- hitting all of these clutch threes didn't care for that and kyle lowry i've i've, I've never liked uh, so him him making a mockery uh, but- him making a mockery of the sport out there just <laughs> flailing around uh i didn't care for that one bit check
0: but uh you know glass half full he makes uh, he makes regular people feel like wait if that slob can make it in pro basketball i got a shot too i mean a man of that carriage should not be out there playing point guard in the nba was remarkable really
2: it's tough. Every report I've seen coming out of Miami since the playoffs ended is like, if he doesn't lose weight, Riley's not going to be happy. And it's like, well, Riley just signed him to this albatross contract. I don't really know what he's supposed to do, but he can't cut him. Like, what is he going to do? Is he gonna, I don't know anyone who's demanding to acquire Kyle Lowry at this stage of his career. I don't I don't know what they're going to do about that. They, they already gave him the money they're going to make. He's going to work out harder now at the end of his career. That doesn't seem like a thing that's going to happen.
0: Maybe we should, you know what, I, I've I've said this about the 85 Bears. We need to update that reference. Like, hey, that our defense, it's always to impugn a defense. Like, hey, that defense ain't exactly the 85 Bears. There have been other dominant defenses since then, and the kids are stor- sort of getting lost by that historical reference. Maybe the albatross isn't heavy enough. Maybe going forward it should be, you got a real Kyle Lowry around your neck. You know, because that would be heavy.
2: Right? We're... Were the 85 Bears the best defense of the 80s? Like the Giants weren't any slouch on, in that decade either.
0: Well, it, it's my favorite talking point, even though or maybe because it upsets Bears fans so much. And I lived in Chicago for all the 90s and Jordan's greatness and all of that. Um, I, I sincerely believe that the 85 Bears, who got smoked on Monday Night Football in the sweltering heat of Miami by Danny Marino would have gotten smoked once again by Danny Marino on the fast track of uh, of the Superdome with the same collection of players. That was the, the, the kryptonite for what the 85 bears do, which was a gimmicky kind of a thing that goes back to Jerry Glanville, believe it or not in the, in the late seventies with uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. But either way, um, the the way to defeat that was a quick trigger passer who could who would who could get the ball and quickly throw the ball. That's how you would vanquish the you're,
2: you're saying Eason couldn't do that.
0: Teeter <laughs> Brock couldn't do it in the <laughs> NFC title game. Yeah, I think I think if uh, Champagne Tony hadn't somehow upset Danny Marino and company down in the Orange Bowl in the AFC title game, it's one of the more pivotal upsets in pro football in the Super Bowl air, if you go back and, and pick that apart and how it would have just completely undermined this this heralded Chicago Bears team. They were very good. I don't mean to knock them too much. Anyhow, speaking of men of a certain carriage who don't look exactly right doing what they're doing in a, on the professional uh, sports field, Mac Jones, how you feeling about, I'm, well, he's me and he's hippie. And every, by the way, Mac Jones, he doesn't seem like a Mac. How say you?
2: He's he's a McCorkle. He's, he's a McCorkle. A
0: Why doesn't he go with that? You listen, you got the juice to to make that so. Just just make it make a whole media campaign out of Mac Jones. That name don't work for you, man. McCorkle Jones, that's something we can get behind.
2: Is, I don't even think is even his first name. If I no, remember, no, it's his middle
0: name. I Maybe mean, right. Mike Jones, which is kind of the most, uh, which is kind of perfect for how vanilla he is. Mike Jones, there he is, everybody, our QB. But McCorkle Jones, now that's got that, that's got some cachet.
2: McCorkle has, uh, uh, like, he w- he wouldn't have went to Alabama if he went by. McC- that's an Arkansas, and that's his ceiling. Like he mm-hmm. wouldn't have gotten drafted True. as McCorkle. That was he made the right call mccorkle mm. is is tough i hope that's a that fa- that's going to be a family last name right there's there's no other explanation for how that becomes a human's middle he's name. come
0: through clean on the other side he was getting <laughs> votes for rookie of the year he's in the big leagues now he can be mccorkle jones or anything else he, he what he really looks like is a seth if if there were justice mm-hmm. being served he would be seth
2: i could see that yeah i could see a seth and yeah, i'll never when you say he's he's hippie when he Walked up after he got drafted. I was like, I I was okay with the pick, and then he's taking these kind of strides. I don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna last. I don't. I don't like this gait on this fella. Uh, I feel
0: well. Listen, that's I I fear as a Steelers fan, and but I really believe this could happen. How say you to this? Steelers, Chiefs, Patriots could all finish in last place in their divisions.
2: (sighs) We still have the Jets. I'm not. Handing them anything. Zach Wilson. I think was they, I
0: have, I, I'm starting to think the Jets might be good. It all has to do with Zach Wilson at this I, point. Yeah, if don't. he's halfway decent, they should be pretty good.
2: I've been hearing that for so long. i <laughs> I like, I like Robert Sala. I like what they've done on the defense. I think their draft was a little overrated. When you listen to people talk about the draft before the draft, they broke several Cardinal sins from these, <laughs> these draft pundits layout. They took a running back very high for the second year in a row. They traded up to get a guy there. They were the only team to have Jermaine Johnson the second in their top 10, and that's being heralded as, as some great steal. The whole rest of the league passed on this guy, but because the Jets of all teams traded up to get him, all of a sudden that's now some great pick. That doesn't make any sense. I do like their first two picks a lot. I like that they went corner. I like that they went receiver. Those were smart picks. The, the running back may work, but if, if I'm to listen to all this draft talk before the draft – that was a bad pick, according to the draft community. But because, again, the Jets did it, it's now a good pick. That doesn't add up at all. Uh, so, yeah, until the Jets are better than us, I'm not exactly going to hand it to them. And f- as far as the Chiefs go, I'm not going to pick Andy Reid and Pat uh, Pat Mahomes behind Derek Carr and, and Josh McDaniels, of all people. That's not what I'm about to do. Yeah, they got Devontae Adams back. Everyone keeps talking about their Fresno State connection. I don't remember seeing Fresno state hoisting up the crystal ball at the end of, of the college football year. I don't know why we're just banking on it that. It is horses. very
0: weird that the that I, I think it's cool that they're pals from way back and they committed to play together at this level. And they both have turned out to be pretty good at this level and everything else. I do think
2: references to the numbers
0: that they put up at Fresno state <laughs> are kind of irrelevant here.
2: Right? Yeah. I, like Devonte Adams, for sure. The best wide receiver in football. Derek Carr, for sure not the best quarterback in football, so I don't know why he downgraded. Devontae Adams downgraded. He got his payday. He got his new home. I'm happy for him as a human being. In terms of football, I'm not ready to hand them the AFC West. And, the, like, the Chargers, the Chargers, they the done team. It. That's they've the team. But they've done this for twenty years, check They this is what they do. I, until they do it, I can't hand it to them. Ah, yeah, the Bungles
0: went to the Super Bowl. Uh, the, sure. the world's upside down. For the sure, the, that the I idea would- that they could—they'll—I think they're going to be really good. Finally, and they then by the be. way, yeah, they're so loaded. I don't know how they how they couldn't be. I am worried. Not legitimately, but I do think if I were a Patriots fan, I would be kind of worried about where this is all going. The pencil guy is now going to be your offensive coordinator. Oh. Is weird. Belichick's son has way too much uh, has way too much sway, and I just don't think Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is fine. It's kind of like a goalie in in hockey, I guess. It's kind of like I, I've been swayed at this point with like. I'd love to have a guy, a superstar goalie who steals games. But more than anything, just don't blow the game. Just don't right. give up soft goals. I feel like that's what Mac Jones is. He's nice and steady. But, I mean, the idea that that guy over the next decade, I think a lot of people got swept up in because he had the flying Elvis on the side of his hat. Like, they just replaced Tom Brady Jr. Don't you see? He's, he's the second coming of Brady. I don't necessarily buy that.
2: Yeah. Second, they called him that because he was unathletic. Like that was all it was. He's not a great athlete. He can't throw it that far. Yeah. It's Brady 2.0. Like I like Mac Jones. I do think he is capable of winning a Super Bowl. but I also am of the mindset that quarterback has become the most overrated position in professional sports. Hmm. We act like these guys are rocket scientists who are also brain surgeons. And then you've got McVay out there, How many, I was thinking about this before coming on uh, because I know our conversations go everywhere. Was Matt Stafford consistently a top 10 quarterback over, over in public perception? Was he consistently a top 10 quarterback or was he more in that 10 to 15 range? Like we, we agreed he had talent, but if you were to sit there year after year and actually map out the top 10 guys, he'd be really battling for that 10th spot. It wasn't a guarantee that he was consistently in that top 10, the Rams. Because of their system, because Sean McVay is a very good coach, knew, hey, I just need a marginal, not marginal, but a big enough bump from Goff to this guy. I don't need a top three guy necessarily. I don't even think you'd look back last year at the regular season and say Stafford was a lock for one of the top three maybe four or five quarterbacks in all of football. So it, this idea that you need one of the top guys, it's, it's everything else. And I think that's what you saw the Patriots do. We've made marginal upgrades at receiver over the last two years. Brady's last year and Newton's only year. That receiving core was terrible. It's much better right now. I love our running back room. I love our offensive line anchored by first-round pick Cole Strange. I like everything about the team except for the coaching room. And it's weird to say with Belichick, very weird to say I'm uneasy. I don't like change as, as much as I think McDaniels is an overrated play caller. I don't like going into the second year of a rookie quarterback and having this much change. It's a lot. Matt Patricia.
0: I mean, who (laughs) canceled Matt Patricia is now going to be your offensive coordinator. That's bizarre. I don't think we're talking nearly enough about that. Maybe once we get past the, uh, these uh, hockey and basketball playoffs. This is what I'm grasping know, on. Do we think heck? it's
2: true? Or do we think Belichick's like, you know what? Let I'm going to fuck with everybody and just say that this is happening. And then come regular season, it's not even going to be close to what people are talking about. Today. Yeah, it's it's hard to, because the Patriots, by all rights, like Mac, they they
0: did make the playoffs. And you thought at one point or at multiple points during the football season last year, it's like Belichick's done it again. He took we one year one away. In
2: December. We had a bye in December and then we blew that. <laughs>
0: I just, I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how I would feel. I mean, listen, I'd be nice and warm with all the trophies that I got in the millennium. But going forward, I I might be nervous about where exactly this is headed. It does feel like a celebrity who has too much power. It's uh, like (laughs) Bill Belichick, nobody's told him no for way too long. And now he's uh, like... Yep. Matt Patricia is now the offensive coordinator. Like what the hell, what are you doing, man? You, 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 you gone daft, you old man.
2: I thought Uh, Patricia was brought back to replace Ernie Adams, who was the guy in the back room who uh, famously drew up, called the Malcolm Butler pick in practice earlier that week. I thought that's what Patricia was best suited for. Be in the back, just watch nothing but tape on us and our opponents. Tell us what you see. Uh, Colin, Colin balls and strikes uh, mid-game. I don't know how I feel about that. Obviously, we saw uh, what happened in Detroit didn't go over too well. I don't know how much blame he deserves for that. No one else has been able to crack the Detroit Lions nut either, so I don't know if I completely blame him for that. But the reports from all the players – out of detroit didn't make it seem like he was helping any so it's
0: yeah he it seemed like a creep they all see think that as long as we just act exactly like belichick acted yeah. this will work and it never works the only it, guy
2: who it did work for and he didn't exact uh, act exactly like belichick was brian flores who now is an open suit with the nfl so it's it's I, the, the coaching tree keeps not looking he's in pittsburgh now that's right that's which i think you'll right. enjoy a lot because brian flores knows what he's doing
0: I don't want to – people don't need to hear me say it again, but I will say it to you very quickly, as quickly as uh, I can say anything. The number nines at quarterback in the 21st century confuse the issue. QB wins are a thing. People get – I think analytics people, and I I like analytics, have kind of warped our perception – of empirical fact and they go against like, ah, small sample size in the playoffs. The entire point of every sport is who wins the trophy at the end of it. And, And to marginalize who does best in those situations. Of course, clutch isn't a thing. Nobody or very few people ever elevate statistically in the playoffs. The point is to maintain your level of greatness in the playoffs. Drew Brees didn't do that. Matthew Stafford didn't, to to your point, he's anomalous where where QB wins. Because generally speaking, if you have one of, like you say, I wouldn't go top ten, but if you have one of the top six or or eight in the 21st century QBs, you're going to be in the mix for the playoffs perennially. The Lions are the anomaly to that equation, but it doesn't discount the fact that, of course, the guys that play uh, play or uh, clutch or maintain their performance in the biggest spots in the sport deserve all the praise, and QB wins are a real thing, and if you don't... But but I, I completely hear you on Stafford. That is, he's the one... Uh, exception that kind of proves the rule to me. I do think it does matter, but but I do hear you. The Lions are so bad. That's a conversation for another time, by the way. Well, is how can franchises who turn over, I mean ownership, they turn over general manager, front office, head coaches, quarterbacks, entire rosters, and they just they they continue to stink. It really is bizarre if you think about how are the Lions. Well, to, what explains? The ineptitude over decades and decades—it's really weird. Must be a real bummer. <laughs> I mean, the Browns have Browns themselves once again. It seems with Deshaun Watson—that—that—that that, that one, I—you know—you could see that one coming. And I, I really I think know. he's going to end up getting a year. By the way, I think he's going to end up getting shut down for a year. I think he's going to get more than Ridley, though. No? Yeah, I think hmm. I think I, I think he's—I I mean or at least as much. I mean, it's just a bad look. That's what people will say. Calvin Ridley oh, sprinkled a little something to make the games more exciting. This guy, 24 uh, accusations against him. He gets less. I, I don't see it going that way. Um,
2: it, it's not great. Well, it's, it's it's weird because the Browns, I would argue, up until this most recent move, have built as perfectly as as I think you can without, I think, too many teams in these positions like the Lions... They they build it backwards. They build quarterback first. And the Browns famously passed on Deshaun Watson the first time. They passed on a lot of guys to get Miles Garrett, to get anchors on both sides of the ball. And they, they completed the whole roster except for quarterback. And then they got Baker. Looked like he could be the guy. It's turned out not to be the guy. He for- could have
0: been the guy, though. You wait and see. You watch. I think he winds up in Carolina. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he's the aforementioned top. Half dozen or eight QBs in the league, but he was good enough that right, the middle class of QBs is is pretty healthy in pro football now. I think ba- I the, that is going to be one. Of, the, it's an ugly story, but it's going to be super funny watching the back and forth between the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield over these next couple of months. When that when when that suspension gets handed down, and they have to tuck tail and go to bake like. Would you give it a go for us one <laughs> time, I mean, and, and in most cases, the leverage that teams have over players is like if you say no, that's going to be a bad look for you. Like, who else? What other team's going to want you if you don't have the power? Pa- it, there's no other franchise. The other 31 teams are not going to be like, yeah, Bake, you really should have played there. They're going to be like, completely get it, man. They screwed you. Um, and what it's if- going to be delightful to watch. And if he puts the helmet on, shame the devil. He should. Yeah, nah, he be- can't.
2: Absolutely not. He can't. What? Like, I understand uh, reason for some optimism behind Davis Mills, but why not Houston for Baker?
0: I think that makes sense, too. He has said that's that... Baker has suddenly improbably be kind of become a guy I root for, but the, <laughs> it, but early on in this thing when he's like I'm not going back to the Browns when he said Oh the Texans are beneath me basically said that much it's like all right who do you think you are Baker Yeah I, I you know really where I could see depending on how things go for Mac Jones what Belichick and the great offensive mind that is Matt Patricia depending on what they decide uh, about Mac Jones I would not be stunned. If they entered that uh, entered the sweepstakes for Bake, I could say it seems like a thing that well they wouldn't do that because they already have their guy. When does Belichick do anything that you expect him to do? I could absolutely see them making a play for Bake. He seems like he seems like uh, Belichick's kind of guy.
2: I understand what you're saying, but I do think Mac ticks enough boxes where Belichick's completely content with him. Hmm. I think he doesn't turn the ball over. He he's comfortable calling the offense. He, I mean he was calling. He was teaching Bill O'Brien Alabama's offense when he left. That kind of stuff matters to, and Belichick, he it's not that he loves distractions. He'll take on someone who will get a media circuit. We had Tebow playing H back sure. for us. Like Belichick's not he brought Hainsworth in. Like he, he Oh, Joe
0: Cinco, right. You're yeah, you right.
2: He cares about people who can play. I think if he just genuinely looked at the tape from Baker, he'd be like, no. I mean, we played him in New England last year. I was at the game, I think it was 48 to 6 was the final. Like, I don't think he's as just like just the football player, I don't think he's like all in on Baker Mayfield. But when we talk about do I feel nervous about the Patriots? Do I feel nervous about the Celtics? All this, there's a team we already talked about, and it's something that I know you you think brings great shame to the city of Boston. It's a team we already talked about that that has me feeling more confident these days. It is the aforementioned uh, Colorado Avalanche. The last time they won a cup sparked uh, uh, two decades of dominance in the great city, the actual city of champions, Damashek, we- We've got a UMass guy. Find
0: who- your own nickname. City of Champions <laughs> is, is a title that was awarded by Pittsburghers. Come up with your own thing. I, Green th- Bay is title town. You can't just take some It's not a moving award. The Stia, the the Pittsburgh the city of champions is the city of champions because it anointed itself that just like the Cowboys gave themselves America's team that's <laughs> jive. Obviously, the Cowboys are not America's team at large. We're the city of champions. We earned it. By the way, come up with your own dumb name. And by the way, I I the the funny bipolar that 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 basically. Pivots on the turn from one century to this one that we're in now. Um, the swing in from from the most pathetic fans to the fans who have been the most successful over the last twenty plus years now are in Boston. But one of the all time disgraces that I will never let Boston <laughs> fans forget: Raymond Bork. He wears he wears your he wears your sweater. He does one of the great moves of all time. He takes off the number 7 and gives it to Phil Esposito Mm -hmm. and wears 77 for the rest of his career. That was cool. Then Raymond Borg gets traded to the Colorado Avalanche and the the state of Boston sports was so pathetic that after he wins the cup as a rental over in Denver, Colorado, you guys threw him a parade. (laughs) You threw him a parade in Boston. That's pathetic. That ain't no city of champions. But then what happened? I don't know what happened. (laughs) I'm telling you, that was embarrassing. And I want you to admit it here and now.
2: Listen, it was dark times. It was very dark times. <laughs> you had a parade for a guy who won a cup with another f- hockey town. That's weird. Very dark times. You won't you won't find me arguing that point, but you can't argue with the results. The results speak for themselves. <laughs> Every team looked themselves in the mirror and said, "We got to be better than this. We can't be celebrating <laughs> Avalanche championships in our own goddamn I city." And they listen, the it started with Tom and then the Red Sox got in on it. The Celtics and the Bruins have only chipped in one apiece. I'm looking for that to change, um, but you can't argue with with what it ignited—the hunger that it ignited in, in this town. <laughs> I can't. And, and right now, led by uh, Kale McCarr, White Iverson, uh, UMass's own, uh, another mass. We might throw him another parade if the Avalanche win. It might, co- it might conflict with the Celtics parade, but I'm fine with it. They can <laughs> hop on. Like think we can have the Stanley <laughs> Cup and the Larry O'Brien on the same float.
0: I Listen, color me skeptical. I like your your attempt to bend that shameful deed into something to galvanize this uh, this quarter century of success for Boston sports. Man, I could go on with you forever here. I want to – I really did. I have in front of me here because I know going. you've been doing that some is great – show.
2: You have some, well, you have some time
0: with Well, I know, I know. But I, let, let's – I want you to focus in. You got to – listen – the Celts have toiled for months on end. The least you can do is give them your undivided attention that 's how I feel about when my teams are in the playoffs ah it 's fun in games in October, but once the playoffs begin, I think I owe it to Coach Tomlin and the fellas to to shutter the blinds, tune out the outside noise, and just and give them my attention. You know I want to talk to you about Disney. Um, movies, I know those are playing um, playing in your house quite a bit these days. The animated movies. Mm-hmm. Um, let's save that conversation because you know we're we're just getting into the summer blockbusters now, and I'm not sure which ones are coming out. Oh, we got a Buzz Lightyear coming we out sure do. Um, So let's save that conversation. That'll excite the audience. And I always say, you know the the fruit of the year. Um, award doesn't really get rolling. The race for it, the most prestigious, uh, the, the granddaddy of all Shecky Awards, fruit of the year, doesn't really start until Memorial Day. Um, but I did see you and, uh, and your pal Tyler mm-hmm. doing your tier rankings and I cracked wise cause I said, stick to sports, <laughs> but I, I do hail you both. You did some good work. You really oh, did I some,
2: I wasn't a part of the tiering. I was just adding, no, I, adding I know you, you weren't, but you
0: reacted to it. And, and yeah. uh,
2: I, I will say, um, I don't anticipate this fruit ever winning. Uh, I had my first golden Kiwi the other day. And boy, oh boy, was that a treat! Sir, I don't, I don't see it uh, standing atop any mountain anytime soon. But if that's your, if that's your second receiver, you're, you've got yourself quite a, quite a, a golden
0: Kiwi, Kiwi is it in fact golden? It is, yes. Hmm. All right. I'll give it a try. I'm not opposed to giving anything a shot. What I really appreciated was you guys both being down on the pomegranate. That's shameful (laughs) fruit. I I can't, I I really makes me, it really makes me angry when I see people doing the thing. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're bending the pot to the pomegranate's will cracking (laughs) it and doing that whole crap. Where's your dignity?
2: Um, how, how I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and obviously the pineapple is one of the all-time greats. It really is. One time, it, it won.
0: It, there was a time, believe it or not, a lot of people, you know, uh, Shecky historians can uh, can affirm the veracity of this. There was a time in this century, you almost retired the, fruit, the award. The fruit of the year almost was retired because of the pineapple's dominance, and then here came my old pal, the apple. Oh, all the varietals. We can debate those uh, till the cows come home. But there was a real moment there where the apples took a backseat to the pine apple. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, thank, thankfully, the apple came along and, and saved the day like the cavalry. But yes, but continue with your point. I'm sorry.
2: My, my thought is I always try and go back to the beginning. How hungry? was the first guy who was staring at a pineapple and said, I bet there's something in there because it's the most unassuming. When you look at a pine- pineapple, it, it's, it has its own defense mechanism. It's prickly. It doesn't really look, it looks like a rock of some sort. That right. first guy who we owe him a great uh, thank you as, as a society. But man, was that boy starving to think that had some that and the coconut. Anyone who first cracked those open to think there was food inside had right. to have been on their last their last breath.
0: Right. It it makes one aspirational. Right. Yeah. You, if, you, if you want the easy payoff, then the grape is for you. But <laughs> but right. If you if you stick with it, there's a lesson to be learned there, you know, for for the human being. And, and uh, you know, digging in a little bit. I hear you completely on that one. Um, you know, but then there are other ones that betray you. With your diligence. Like Mm -hmm. I say, the pomegranate is a, for instance, shame on you. All that work for that. The weird one to me is the coconut. You really had to work hard to get to what the coconut has to offer. And it ain't that big a payoff. Now, I like a coconut. I like a coconut cream pie. I like a coconut donut. Um, But, and I like the shavings of the coconut. But the coconut, you know what though? The coconut won fruit of the year. I think it was three years ago because of its delicious nectar. Now, mm-hmm. milk, I don't know if it's properly milk, but just my wife started to hand them to me. And I'm like, what the hell is this? What exotic <laughs> uh, beverage is this? She's like, it's just a coconut with a straw stuck in it. That nectar, not a lot in there, but oh boy, is it delicious. Um, yeah, so, so um, bullish on, uh, on the, I'm with you completely on the pineapple, but I, I always hail I, I like to think about like the oyster is a crazy one too, uh-huh. um, who cracked that thing and and then once you like the pineapple, at least you had the visual payoff. You crack that pineapple like oh my god, look at what's inside of here. Look at that golden. Look at that. Look look at the look at the reward we get. It's beautiful to look at. Once you get inside of it, when you crack the oyster and you see what's inside of it, <laughs> you still eat it. You still you still go through with it. Oh no at that no. Point- it just, that filled, it just filled with sea boogers. Wow, I am hungry. What? Who, why would you ingest that after seeing what's in it? I also like to think about the scenario when man first realized that cooking the cow made it way more delicious. That, was, it, was it like, you know, what is the thing about accident or mistakes or the... I forget the cliche about, uh, you know, where, where good things come from. Mm. But, uh, did the cow, like, was it standing too close to a campfire and it, co- well, I don't think there were campfires. Cause I think by definition, if you were living, you camped and that's how you slept at night, but yeah. you had a nice fire going. Did a cow like die and fall into the fire? And they're like, Oh my God, the cow, like, wait, wait, wait.
2: He smells delicious. Yeah. You guys... How long are we keeping this on there? We want a little pink. We want a little brown. How are we doing this? <laughs> what was the, the best of all
0: is wine. Mm. Who, what the hell happened with wine? we like, we like these grapes. Oh, look, squeeze out. You can make juice out of them as it turns out. What happened? When did they discover? Like, wait a second. If you put that, that grape juice away for several months, nay years, and then drink it, Got a little bite to it, but it makes you feel funny and nice.
2: Who, someone, who What was that sequence? Someone must have made some grape juice, and then they had to go on a journey or a trek of some sort. Uh-huh. They kept it in there. They didn't have any refrigerators, so they're home. they just in a corner somewhere. They came back. They were a little parched after weeks, maybe months of traveling uh, to get some grains, whatever people did back then. <laughs> They came back. They were like, boy, oh, boy, could I go for a sip of some grape juice? And then they woke up four days later. They had no idea what happened.
0: <laughs> but given the lack of, of science in that time, I think, like, wine goes back, uh, you know, thousands and oh, yeah. thousands of years. So given the absence of that, when you drank it, did they think that they had become gods? They probably <laughs> didn't attribute it to the juice. They were like, I don't know what happened, but the higher power, whoever it is, I am now him. Cause look at me, you can't, you know, like getting in fights and everything. Like I don't even feel pain anymore. I am, I'm the chosen one. Is they that out, fact?
2: They were out there in lightning storms, arguing with God. They didn't know what was going on back there. They thought they thought that was God coming to tell them uh, the what for. They they didn't know their ass from their elbow back then. Those those people, I I envy that period of time. Terrible time to be alive for. Yeah, no, yeah, genuine. not.
0: I agree with that complaint. There, there, I don't see a lot of benefits. Like people say, what was better in the past than it is now? Like college basketball was better <laughs> like 20 years ago. But I but pining for like 300 years or any time before that, there, there, there is nothing that was so worthwhile back then that would ever make me want to go back to that time. It does make me think, a theological question, I don't know if you're the right guy to go to with this, but maybe you are. Is it possible that maybe that the whole start of the religion was was Jesus got drunk and he thought like, oh I am the higher power
2: I mean he was if it wasn't him he got his audience pretty hammered when he was he was mm. uh, made many goblets of wine so yeah I, it definitely played <laughs> a factor in, in at least public perception, let alone uh, what he was believing The precursor to roofing. hmm
0: <laughs> all right listen. So much to think about. Uh, what a journey. And we didn't even get into the animated movies. Uh, listen, we're rooting for you. I'm rooting for my old man. And uh, like I say, we had a conversation with Cousin Sal on Extra Points. He says it's hard to divine Celtics fans or or uh, Rags fans who is easier to root against right now. I feel like you kind of make the Celtics easy to root for. I I, I can't encourage it strongly enough follow along with Coley on social media he will make you against your better judgment kind of root for his plucky Celtics as they try to complete uh, complete the title would this where does this rank for you would this rank for you in 21st century titles
2: it might be one I mean I feel oh, like they're your favorite team is that right the, the Celtics? Celtics are yeah and the Red Sox are two so I, I can't call them one oh, 08 was so big for me I was I was at the clincher with my father very last row backs against the wall stood for the entire game even up 30 in the 4th I was like ah, they could hit a couple shots here so let's I was nervous until the final whistle uh 04 was was as close to a religious experience as I think I'll have uh with the Patriots had already won two yeah they had won two so we had we felt winning but with the Red Sox it was I don't Everyone likes to dub this a Patriots town. Everyone over the age of 45 is not a Patriots fan. Uh, so I, can't, I cannot give the people of this uh, area, uh, like, the Patriots will ever be number one. It's a Red Sox – this is Red Sox. So when 4 happened, that's when the change really felt like it was happening. Um, but this one would probably be two or three. I was actually thinking, would, like, would I have preferred the Patriots to go 19-0 or that Falcons comeback? Because I don't care what you say, you can be 19 to know all you want. If you lose 35 to three to the Falcons, that's a black mark. You can't have that on your on your franchise forever. So, would I rather have that Hot. comeback? That comeback as iconic as it gets. Is that more iconic than say, what is it? The '72 Dolphins went undefeated. Is that the team? Mercury right. Morris pops a bottle every year. Like, mm-hmm. would I rather? Uh, uh Asante Samuel in 30 years be popping bottles at every every team that that fails to complete it or would I rather have the 28-3 comeback that's been floating around in my mind recently which would I prefer
0: I love debates like this this I, I think when people say like when, when when people embarrass themselves and are happy that their team goes 0 and 16 like Lions fans and Browns fans like we did it like <laughs> at what cost? <laughs> I mean that, that that's going to last forever, you understand. You you didn't win a game. You right. didn't win a you didn't win a game for goodness sakes. Um I yeah, that's a that's a good one. I think you got it. T- but that would uh, and I do remember. I was I was in the stadium for the Falcons and Patriots game and I do remember who was it? Robert Alford picked off Brady yep. and is running down the sidelines and Brady diving in vain. To get offered as he ran for the touchdown. And in that moment, you felt like, wow, the Patriots aren't gonna lose. They're gonna get smoked right. by the Atlanta Falcons. They're gonna, I mean, they're gonna not lose. They and I, I it's funny because I remember it didn't really hit home for me how bad it could get. Well, I've had the experience a couple of times with the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 30 against the Cowboys. Michael Irvin catches a touchdown pass and then gets called for OPI, which reverses it. But it would have made the game twenty-one to three. And I remember feeling like, "Oh sweet Jesus, what have I, what what have I wished for?" Now now we're here and we're gonna get we're, we're gonna get embarrassed like the Bills. And against the Packers in Super Bowl forty-five, when it was I think it was also twenty-one to three or something like that. And I remember feeling in that moment like, "This is a stink that I will never wash off on the right. big stage." One thing to lose, to get shamed. But I still think you want 19-0. and 0. That's, um, That stands for all of time. You would be, there would be no question. It would rise above anything else with flate gate and video gate and all that stuff. It would be like, can't argue with that. They went undefeated. They ran the table. I think that's, I think that one sticks. with. I bet you if you ask Brady, that one bothers him more.
2: For, yeah, I would imagine so. However, 28-3 also came on the heels of the four-game suspension from DeFleet. Yeah, right, right, and right. It's the only reason Matt Ryan won that fraudulent MVP over Brady. So that's where it adds – it's not going to be remembered historically as part of that game's narrative, but I'll never forget it. And I think it adds a little bit of – like 19-0, of course, stands the test of time. Other teams have had comebacks – you just can't be as uh, you can't be among the ranks of the giants and the Cowboys and your Steelers. You can't be because we are new money or new money right. success for the Patriots. You can't start being in the old boys club. You can't be one of these blue buds. If you get demolished by the Atlanta Falcons of like, if it were, if it were the Cowboys who did that, or if it were the 49ers, sure. It's still not great, but the right. fact that it's the Falcons that you can't have that. So I think, the way in which it happened, the team in which it happened against. I think that's what makes it a debate.
0: Matt Ryan in his number
2: two, which he chose on purpose.
0: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. That's also embarrassing. Last thing for you, because it's a fun story to me. I asked Matt Ryan why you could have chosen any number from one all the way up to 19. Why did you choose the number two on purpose? And he said, because my favorite uh, guy growing up was Tim Couch which I think is great because how many human beings can rightly say that they ended up being better than their idol.
2: Right. And that you can't lose to a guy whose favorite guy was Tim couch. That's another reason why that Falcons loss would have been devastating. Number Uh, two.
0: Yeah. I um, I hear you. Let me pray on that some more before I give you a final answer, put it in pencil for now. Uh, But in the meantime, also best wishes to yourselves and, uh, you know, you got a nice brain. Come up with a better name. City of champions. That's beneath you. You just well, they, said you started out with saying you can't take somebody else's trophy. And now you are trying to take our nominal trophy. We're the city of champions. I don't know what you
2: want to call yourself. <laughs> Winningstown. I don't I, That's not my business. That's up to Champsville. you. Uh, well, it's interesting. Brockton has long boasted uh, as themselves the city of champions due to all the boxers that have come out of that. That's right. So It's not even the own city of champions in our own state. I've heard that crap,
0: too. I don't care for that. That's a, <laughs> nobody, nobody considers boxing. Anymore. One
2: last thing, because you did bring up the Steelers and you brought up Tomlin. I'm shocked you think that him, of all people who've never finished below 500, could be uh, a fourth place team.
0: Well, um, if Deshaun Watson's not out there, I don't think they're, they're going to be a
2: fourth place team. I mean, I think I, the football gods will allow Deshaun Watson to have success even if he plays? That would be tough.
0: Well, I mean, obviously it goes saying, but I mean, I, I just because Tomlin never has had a losing season doesn't mean it's, uh, you know, it's some guaranteed birthright. He could. But if you look at the team and I understand that you could be a better roster this year than you were last year and still wind up with a worse record than you had. Yeah. Um, and I, it, obviously the AFC has gotten more rugged in the last four months than where it was, when, but they made the playoffs. I mean did you watch their games they made the playoffs with it, it's just the the great one of my all time, people think I'm I'm being a wiseacre. It's one of my all-time favorite Steeler seasons. It was so much fun watching them knuckleball, fifteen to twelve wins in, in pro football in the 21st century. Like, don't you see? It's so easy to throw the ball and score points in pro football. In the meantime, the Steelers are scratching out nine wins against good teams, scoring in the teens. It was really funny. And that last uh, that last regular season Sunday was was one of the all timers. But yeah, I mean, I I don't I'm not necessarily comfortable with the idea that in a pass-first quarterback league that the strength of the team is the defense. But for what it's worth, even without Stephon Tuett, they're loaded up on defense. And Flores right. and to Ta- I mean, these are great defensive minds. So, you know, I guess if nothing else, it's zigging against the league zag, and that should be a more rugged foe for offenses that are used to getting off a little more easily. They should have to deal with the knuckleball Steelers once again, just like they did last year. I just, I, you know, you, I I don't think it's crazy to think that the Steelers are going to go seven and 10 this year. Um, and plenty of Pittsburghers think that too. I, uh, you yeah. know, I, until I, like you say about the until I see the Jets do it, until I see Tomlin Steelers go six and 11 or whatever, I mean, I, I I'm going to bet the over every time seven and a half. I mean, what, what, yeah. what evidence is there that they're going to just completely bottom out? There's very little, did you watch Roethlisberger last year? You don't think Trubisky slash Pickett are going to do, are, are going to play at that
2: level. Come Well, on. <clears throat> I texted you after the first round asking if the Pickett selection had anything to do with 1983. And you seem to agree that that had to have played a factor passing on Dan Marino in favor of Gabe Rivera in his five career games before tragedy struck. Um, Good for
0: you knowing that, knowing about uh, the Mad Max. Good for you.
2: Oh, of course. Senor sack. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that scenario played out in this draft, but it wasn't with Kenny Pickett. I think if you were going for the same storyline, a la Marino and you remember better than I do, uh, cause I think you were the personal trainer for that pit Panthers team. That's I that's can't right. remember what that's you were doing right. back yeah, then. That's right. Uh, third string
0: qb i had a lot of time because because it it was like behind marino was rick tricano and it was like i'm not gonna get any i can also do this for you coach cheryl so yeah
2: and that's what i've always loved about you you do what's best for the team multitask
0: Uh, right when cracking pineapples like marino you don't have time for
2: this (laughs) Let me let me help you out friend you're like gallagher on the sideline but with pineapples um (laughs) Going into that year, it was Elway was one, but Marino was two. Like he was going to be that second guy, and then the season plays out. He has a terrible, dreadful year to the point where they opened investigations on whether or not he was on cocaine. Um, People called
0: professional uh, football teams, called my house to talk to my old man to uh, to ask after whether or not these rumors were true. That's uh, that's true. We were getting calls. At the house. The, I don't remember. There were two teams that called the house to talk to my old man to say like, <laughs> what can you tell us doc about these rooms? Cause my man, my, my father was uh, the general practitioner. He wasn't the orthopedist like on the sideline. Like, ah, I think that you, you tore your ACL kid. Right. He wasn't that guy. He was like, let me give you your physical and make sure you, you know, you don't got anything weird on your lungs kind of thing.
2: Right. Um, to the point he still won the MVP, um, I think of the senior bowl that year, senior bowl or hula bowl, one of them. He right. won the MVP of that. So he was still obviously pretty good despite his regular season being bad. That was Sam Howell this year. Sam Howell was this oh, year's Marina. He was you the, are he, boy. He was I the swear. guy I swear to
0: Jesus, I was thinking about this just yesterday, that Sam Howell, because I'm doing a, a, this, uh, this Dynasty League fantasy thing uh, right now where we have to draft the rookies right now, and yeah. Sam Howell is the guy I took for exact Like, you think Carson Wentz, this is it? Now, now it's going to work out for him in our nation's capital? Now he's going to turn the corner another number two? Sam Howell is in a great spot to thrive. Boy, do I agree with you on that one. The only, my prejudice against him is, is that when he has his helmet on, he is a pigskin doppelganger of Baker Mayfield. Too much. But yeah. I think and he's going to throw, boy, I I hear you, your noise, man.
2: I mean, you, you go back a year and Sam Howell was the first or second pick, depending on how much you like Spencer Rattler. Now, obviously things change. You can't be beholden to takes from two years ago. However... You shouldn't throw them out entirely either. He lost his entire offense. Both running backs and both top receivers were drafted before his last year at UNC. And then he has a down year. He wasn't even that terrible. He just wasn't the best quarterback in the nation. That wasn't enough for me. I was shocked at his slide. And I think he was the fourth or fifth guy taken a la Marino in 83. So if, if, if I'm going to draw parallels to that draft, it wouldn't just be as simple as, let me take the Pitt guy and keep him in Pittsburgh. I think it's, well, who was overlooked based on uh, having a down year coming into the draft? Well, I think was out.
0: Provincially in the afterglow of the send off for Roethlisberger and the good feelings, not about uh, even not singularly, at least the Hall of Fame quarterback, but a celebration of the sports town. Uh, was was really satisfying um even from here my in my perch in Los Angeles I I, I could feel the uh you know uh, the the pride in in Pittsburgh and what it meant and everything else the franchise and the sports town and all of that I love to pick it pit pick pick spiritually but you know the Steelers are, are so closed off they you, nothing gets out of that building right. and any rumors you hear are jive by definition they're not they the the whispers are almost always just a bunch of pap. Um, but I do think they liked Howell. And I wouldn't have been surprised if Pickett or for whatever reason didn't work out if they had figured out a way to trade back at the end of the first round they, to get Sam Howell. But either way, I hear your noise completely on that. And, yeah, I do think that the Roonies are, based on my remarks uh, about Provincial Pride, are aware of the merino mm-hmm. of, of, of um, uh, you know, that dan want dan rooney wanted marino and it didn't work out i think it, it was kind of a a cross generational make good on right him. i just don't i think it puts a lot of pressure on the kid but <laughs>
2: tremendous you have to be dan marino <laughs>
0: right just do that he's also 41 years old though or whatever people keep talking about his small hands and how old he is like does it make a difference if he played for a decade he'll be 35 is that is that too right. old to play pro football i don't think so anyway listen uh, you're getting too old listening to me flap my gums. What a time is all. I brought it up. What a journey. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um Spaghetti gets upset though when when I get sucked into Steelers conversation. It's not hard to do for nah. me. Um but anyway, listen, like I say, muzzle tub, it's a great achievement that you got through the East. You earned it. Yes. Chris Middleton was out, but like my favorite football coach, John Harbaugh, he says, no one's going to feel bad for you. So there's no reason to, to lick your wounds. Everybody has injuries and nobody is, if you get over the hump, no one's going to remember. Like here's what Bucks fans are doing right now. Like, yeah, but everybody knows that, uh, like I am with the Penguins. Like if Sidney Crosby doesn't get hurt, they move on in the, in the first round, like nobody cares. And right. there will not, no one will remember that except your fan base no one's going to look back so no reason to uh to feel any feeling pangs of guilt or otherwise enjoy it these are the good times to have your team in the in the big spot there hope you get over the hump and uh let's catch up in summertime shall we and let's have a good movie conversation
2: Oh, I'm I'm always ready for that. You know that always. Thank you for having me on. It's a blast to see your beautiful mug smiling back at I me. I know my and, hair.
0: Yeah. My my haircuts that I've been giving myself for two years now are getting worse, not better. Maybe I just don't got the gift. I don't know. Sorry, I didn't do that.
2: It's not yeah. for everyone.
0: No, I'm starting okay. to look like that congressman who cleaned his gun last week. You know, like that <laughs> got that weird, very short on this. Like it ain't right. Um, but anyhow, all right, there he goes, everybody. The great. McMahon, track him down on Barstool. One of the great writers out there. There he goes, Eddie Spaghetti, another uh, legendary performance. I really do think. Uh, see, that's why I get that you want the the, the shiny new object to, to talk to, but I, I like old dependable. It's, like, it's it's why I say life is about you need new experiences, new adventures to keep things uh, exciting, but also like uh, like Cheers, you know, like you want to go where everybody knows your name. I like that vibe. I like talking to an old pal like uh, Coley there.
1: Yeah, the McMahon's one of the best Conversationalist, you could have, and, and he wasn't kidding. When he, you know, he, he's the only other person that can understand what uh, what we go through with the long podcast. He's had some three four hour podcast marathons himself, and he can really get into anything. And I love that he did bring up some some fruit, and I did want to bring up a new fruit that I had while I was in Hawaii. Totally right to, to bring this up to you, but a um, a banana apple. I believe that's the correct way to say. It. So it's just a banana. The hell, mini-
0: kind of witchcrafts going on it's, on those islands.
1: It's a miniature banana, um, uh, three fourths the size of a regular size banana It looks exactly the same although they do say the riper it gets it does get like a pink hue inside of it and you bite into it it's the same consistency as a banana you think it's going to taste like a banana and then you swallow it and it tastes exactly like you had a bite of an apple it was absolutely insane
0: weird i don't know if i like it i'm intrigued at minimum i thought when you said a banana apple it would be like a banana with like a it would look like a pregnant banana it's like a banana, but it has a pregnant belly kind of a thing going.
1: Yeah, either. Uh, yeah, I was expecting something to look way different, like a pink skin, but a banana or maybe hmm. like a yellow, a yellow looking apple. But no, it looked like just a little bit smaller uh, banana. But the the sweetness was way different than a regular tasting banana.
0: Hmm. Like I say, witchcraft. Color me intrigued. Um, all right. Listen, we've covered it all. And then some we'll be back in mere hours with another Boston sports fan. His name is Kevin Hench. We'll look forward to kibitzing with him, and uh, we appreciate you listening along the way, subscribing, downloading, letting your pals know about Minus 3 and all the great shows on the Extra Points Network. Um, And until, what, 48 hours from now when we're joined by Hench, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.